Brother Brother Dunn is sick, and uh, I imagine a few others are still sick. I know Levi is under the weather as well. It's kind of a slow, hits one person one week, and then the next person in your family the next week type of a situation. So I pray that Levi is bouncing off the walls by the time the De Lorenzas get home. And uh, good to go, and everything's all right. Why don't you get your Bibles and go to the book of uh, Leviticus, chapter 1, and just just go there, Leviticus chapter number 1. My mind is a little bit uh, rattled this, this evening, and here's the reason. We, we are in love with somebody else's cat. Our neighbor has a... Has a uh, She's a kitten, like a, grow, a growing kitten, completely, she's pure white with yellow-orange eyes, so not one spot of anything on her except pure white, yellow-orange eyes, and the second we open up our garage, she comes running over, and she loves to hang out with us, and she'll come bounding over if she sees Melinda, and so and so we get we get all the... The pleasures of playing with this cat, holding her, she's purring like crazy, and we're, we're trying to find out what names we're going to name her, and the second she's out, the second she's out, we're out. And so now we're looking out our window for her to come out, and when she comes out, then we just happen to open up our garage, and she comes in the garage and rubs on everything around the garage and comes over to us and goes back and forth, and uh, and it's only been, I don't know, it's been a little while now, but any time anybody else comes around, I get, I get insanely jealous, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, anyway, so we were looking for her today, and we didn't see her, didn't see her, and then right before church, there she is out in our yard, she likes playing around in our big grass, and she's acting like she's attacking things, and she bounds the stuff, and just a fun, fun, fun cat. Never hardly makes any noise at all. Never, never hisses. Barely ever meows, and just we're in love with her. And so, since she wasn't out and about today, we were we were worried about her and in intercession for her. And so, thankfully, we saw her. And uh, and so now the the thing we're more worried about than anything is running her over. And so and so. We were worried about that. Are you sure she's not under the car, Dad? And so, no way I'm going to move after that. So we're looking under the car. Melinda's looking under the car, see if she's there. And uh, anyway, and so that, that's why my mind's a little occupied elsewhere. But I thought it would be interesting today to look. I was thinking about an occasion of Solomon in the beginning of his kingdom realm when the Bible just gives us, and I'll just read it for you in 1 Kings 3, 4, he went to Gibeon, where the tabernacle of Moses was set up, and there was the great high place, talking about that tabernacle, and it says a thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. And then that's when the dream came that night. I don't think you can skip over that that number ever again when you read about the burnt offerings. So you're talking about 1,000 that Solomon offered here. 
a thousand burnt offerings. So to look at the kind of worship you're talking about when you're talking about the guy who loved the Lord, this is an unbelievable worship. So let's go to Leviticus chapter number one. And this is the the law for the burnt offering. And it gives different varied um, levels according to your wealth of burnt, burnt offering. But we, we're not going to have to read anything beyond the biggest because Solomon was very wealthy and he's not going to be offering up the, the uh, pigeons. He's going to be offering up this first level of offering. And so... It says in verse number 2, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, shall bring your offering of the cattle, of the herd, and of the flock. And if his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. And so Leviticus uh, highlights what that means in Leviticus chapter 22, what without blemish means. And it says that verse number 19 of Leviticus 22, you shall offer at your own will a male without blemish of the beeves of the sheep or of the goats. Whatsoever hath a blemish shall you not offer. It shall not be acceptable for you. And uh, here's, what's not, here's, not, here's what's not accepted. Verse 22, the blind, broken, maimed, having a win or scurvy or scabbed, you shall not offer these unto the Lord. Uh, if it's lacking in any of its parts, verse number 23, anything superfluous, you're not, not going to, verse number 24, if it's bruised or crushed or broken or cut, you can't offer any of those unto the Lord. And, and so it's giving us an idea of what causes something to be blemished. And that's a massive list. And I want you to think about uh, any, any driving down the road, any group of cows that you see on the side of the road. How many of you think that any of those have any scars at all? You're talking about cows that are around uh, barbed wire fences, you're talking about cows that are biting each other, you're talking about the, the possibility of having a herd of animals and 1,000 of those being without blemish, it's miraculous once you think about it. Once you think about these being the qualifications and somehow or another they're going to have something to offer, you've got to... You've got to start thinking that what God is going to require of His people, He's also going to miraculously provide. Because there's no way in the world that you're going to have uh, a flock, and everyone's flock is without any of these blemishes. And some of those blemishes you're born with, some of those blemishes you're just going to have. And you can't have any of those or it's not accepted. And so to begin with, Solomon is going to have to go through his herds, and he is going to have to, one by one, pick out what he considers to be 1,000 of these animals without any blemish. So you're talking about you are looking at them from head to toe. Just like we know our, our cat is perfect because we've looked at her from head to toe, they would do the exact same thing. They would look everywhere. There can't be a blemish. 
And this is in your opinion. And so what you're going to do is you're going to bring it at your own voluntary will to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, once you have chosen your without blemish burnt sacrifice, now it's no longer according to your opinion. You bring it to the door of the tabernacle and you are going to get no further until the priest inspects it himself. And so, you start out with this basis according to God's Word on what is blemish and what is not, but that doesn't make it accepted. What makes it accepted is if the priest gives it the green light. And so, all of your work and all of your looking and all of your searching and all of your, this one is without blemish, can get shot down by the priest. And part of that worship is being willing to go back and do it as long as it takes until you get it right. And getting it right is not according to what you think, it's according to what the priest thinks. And the priest is the only one that's got the authority to say, yep, that's without blemish. So, so it doesn't really matter about your feelings and your opinions. What matters is, does the priest say okay? And so, Solomon with 1,000 of these... The priest at his time was a guy named Zadok, which means righteous. But Zadok was the high priest. And so 1,000 of those animals, the high priest said, okay, okay, okay. But it wasn't, I'm just looking. The high priest's job is to do the detailed inspection and green light every one of those. How long does that take for 1,000 of those? That's got to be a while, I'm sure, for, for you to bring them there to the door. And then the priest is going to green light those. And now you're able to go to step number two. And then step number two is you're going to lay your hand on the head of the burnt offering. And it's a transference going on. It's a picture of what Jesus is ultimately going to do for all of us on Calvary. Is he is going to take our sins who knew no sin, the Bible said that God made him to be sin. He made him to be sin, and what we got was the righteousness of God. He became sin, we became righteous. And so, it was like when we came to Calvary, we were transferring all of our sin onto him. All of our iniquity, everything that made us unacceptable, we were transferring it onto the ultimate perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. So you lay your hands on every one, every single one of them. And here's what the Bible said, it's going to make atonement for him. And then here's, here's the, the part, verse number 5, He shall kill the bullock before the Lord. So every one of those, Brother D. Lorenz, could you hand me your knife? Could you open up your knife? I want the arm, one in the arm. Yeah. For the, for the audience, you don't want to mess with our church because this is a man packing multiple knives at church. The radio land. See this? Beautiful buck knife. The priest doesn't do this part. Solomon would have his hand on the, on the bull and he would cut its throat. So every, every sacrifice is going to be slaughtered by the, the one who brought it. 
You're talking 1,000 cutthroats. And Solomon's got to do that every time. How bloody are we talking? What kind of, what kind of, you want to talk about radical. Have you thought about how one of those animals is going to go down about the time you're cutting its throat? I, I don't believe that you're not going to have a fight on your hands. I don't believe it's not going to be screaming. I don't believe it's not going to be, it, it doesn't want to be there taking your place. It's not like this animal's Jesus Christ, the lamb that didn't open up its mouth. No, that's the miracle of Jesus, the only lamb that did not open up its mouth. Every other one, I guarantee, opened up its mouth, was screaming for its life, didn't know what was going on, and here you are, in spite of all of that and every kind of feeling it's going to give to an individual, you're slicing 1,000 throats. (laughs) And then the priest takes that blood. And the Bible said it's, it's all that blood's being brought into a basin. They're collecting the blood that's draining out of this animal. You talk about pretty boy Solomon in all of his garments. Even Solomon arrayed in all of his glory. The Lord talked about him like that. Can you imagine Solomon arrayed in all of his glory, how bloody he'd be? I mean, after, after one, let alone 1,000, and you do this process for every single one of them. And the, the blood would all be collected in a bowl or some sort of basin. And then the priest would take it into the altar and sprinkle it. And here's the next part for Solomon. He shall flay the burnt offering and cut it in pieces. How many of you ever have, uh, have butchered an animal like a deer or, a, or anything? It's a job. It's a job. I, I manage, I, every single time that we butcher something, I somehow or another manage to get out of butchering. It's unbelievable how talkative and entertaining I can become so fast. No, my job is, I, I'll, I'll do the talking, I'll do the entertaining, and I don't know why that I should be helping anyway since I'm not getting any of the deer meat. I don't want any of the deer meat, so you guys go ahead and butcher it. And I'll just all of a sudden start becoming an entertainer, whatever it takes to not do any of the work. And so I've gotten out of butchering all the deer. I've never have butchered one in my life. Gotten out of butchering everything, even my own bears. My brother would butcher them. I'd be like, Mike. <laughs> so I don't know what it means to butcher. I know it's a long process, and that's for one animal. And he's got to flay this burnt offering and cut it into pieces. And the sons of Aaron take the pieces and they put it on the fire. After they've laid the wood in order, they put it upon that altar. They lay the parts and here are the parts, the head and the fat. You got to take all the fat and separate it from the meat. And you put that on that altar, the head and the fat. And, and so once you've done chop, you're done chopping one of these up into pieces. His inwards, his legs shall he wash in water. So you're taking the kidneys and the liver and the organs, and you're washing those. That's Solomon, after he's chopped this thing up into pieces, cut its head off, laid it. Now he's washing every one of these parts, the legs, 
and the organs in water. So either he brought his own water basin, or it's one, there's one available. You're not going to use the holy water. You won't be using the labor of water. You'll be bringing some kind of common water here for this moment. And you start to wash it. And, and when you wash it, then it's all burnt on that altar as a burnt sacrifice. But there is a piece, there is a part that goes into the, the uh, working it, goes into the, the flaying it. And you'll find that in Leviticus chapter number 7 and verse number 8. We're talking about the burnt offering. Went through the, the pieces of the burnt offering. That Solomon would have to do a thousand of those, so he would have to flay it. He would have to chop up all the pieces. He would have to cut its throat, collect the blood. And then he would have to take the kidneys, the liver, and the other organs and wash them in the water and also wash the legs. But to further define what it means to flay a burnt sacrifice, verse number 7 is giving out the priest portion for these offerings, or chapter 7, verse number 8, the priest that offereth any man's burnt offering, even the priest shall have to himself the skin of the burnt offering which he hath offered. How many of you have ever skinned an animal? Just so the radio audience understands, the same one that's packing multiple knives is the only one that raised his hand. That'd be Nathan DeLorenz. You don't want to mess with this church, I promise you. I, I, uh, I've killed a couple of bears and I've got their skins at my house. And I also did not skin those. My twin brother did. But... Skinning one of those took so long. And, and then the tanning process took, took a professional, cost 400, like $450. Brought it to a man there in Soldotna who uh, did whatever, tanned it. And then you come pick it up and here you've got this beautiful tanned bear hide. And uh, one of mine is very, very beautiful and full and thick. And the other one just kind of normal. But uh, one of them is a four, it's a small one, four foot three. The other one's like five foot something, not big at all, but it took a long time. It took a very long time to skin those. And can you imagine Solomon is skinning 1,000? 1,000 of those animals, he skinned every single one of them. You're not allowed to de- delegate that. You're talking about worship on the next level. You, you think about how radical it is for us. When we come together and we celebrate God and we celebrate God for a couple of hours or, or it might be three hours or however long it is, we came and we prayed for a little while and we glorified God for a little while. I wonder how many hours would go into a thousand burnt offerings, a thousand skins. You've got to skin it and you're handing it off to the priest by, by the inheritance God gave to that priest. And it's a thousand chopped off heads and a thousand washed legs 
and uh, four legs each time, and so you're talking about 4,000 legs are washed. You're talking about all those organs washed. You're talking about all the parts and the pieces and all the fat that's separated and all the blood that's collected, and that's one man's worship, and the Bible just gives it one verse. He gave a thousand. You're talking about the dream comes to this individual. And, and the dream comes to this individual because he's not a normal individual. He's the only one in history to offer that many burnt offerings by himself. You had uh, a couple of chapters earlier. The entire kingdom offered 3,000. But that was everybody offering up 3,000. Not, not one person that was... Um, there was at least a million five hundred and fifty thousand people in the army, so you had a massive kingdom offering up three thousand. Solomon offered up one thousand by himself. I'm talking about worship that is beyond description. Like if you're going to talk about too radical, like we get sweaty maybe, and and we might have somebody run occasionally. We might have a praise God. We might have a but we don't have dying screams of a thousand animals. We don't have that trying to try to keep it in, under control with your hands on it and you're flexed on it and you're trying to hold it in place as you bleed it out on, into a into a bin that's going to be tossed up against the altar. And you're not talking about getting in the midst of this ugly, nasty animal and you're cutting off the fat because God wants the fat to be separated from the everything else and He wants the head to be offered with the fat. And he wants the other parts to be offered with the other parts just because He wants to. You're talking about, you're talking about the acceptable worship, and this acceptable worship is radical worship. And there's something about that. There's something about that man named Zadok, who has 1,000 skins that he inherits from Solomon. And it's his inheritance. And it's, it's literally the, the parts that would be blemished are on those skins. What are you going to do with a thousand skins if you're that man? Many things, you're going to wear them probably. They're probably going to make clothes out of them. They're probably going to make many things out of them. Tents are made out of them. Whatever it is that they're going to make out of them, they're going to make out of them. They're going to sell them maybe. It's whatever it is. There's no command on what to do with them. All we know is that that's what he inherited. And, and part of that inheritance, you've got clothes for ministry, but you don't have clothes for everyday life. And you got, you definitely have clothes only for your sons. You don't have spiritual garments for your, your female children. So these become clothes. These become covering. It might be a tent covering. It might be a, a some sort of a bed covering. It might be some sort of a, uh, I don't know what you're going to do. I have a walk on it, live under it, live in it. I don't know. All the things are possible with these skins that are being inherited by this priest. And I want you to think about the, the things that you call perfection. You think about what God did for us, for instance. What God did for us is He made us acceptable. And so we come to Him, not acceptable, but in His blood, in His sacrifice, we are acceptable. He said about the church that he, he gave himself. And the reason why he gave himself is so he could clothe us in spotless garments. 
We are wearing completely spotless garments according to the Lord without spot, wrinkle, or anything. It's a beautiful church. The Bible called it a glorious church. Think about that. Think about what the Lord has provided for you as you stand in His perfection. You stand in His righteousness. Why? Because He gave it to us. He imparted it to us. He's the one that ministered it to His children. He covered us with power like we talked about Sunday. Endued with power from on high. And all of these attributes, perfection, righteousness, sanctification, holiness, power, all of these things are the garments He's given to His children. Every one of them are the garments that He's given to His children. We couldn't have worshipped on our best day and and ever obtained those kinds of garments or that kind of covering. But we have it. And I want you to recognize what you're wearing is what the Lord has given to you, chosen to put on you and to bless you with. Praise God. And He's defined in Scripture this Lamb, the Lamb of God. You read about Him in both the book of John and in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And this Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. He's the one who has robed His children in white. He is that Lamb. And the Bible said we were washed in the blood of this Lamb. Thank God for that. It's, it's so much worth, it's worth more than silver and gold. It's the incorruptible, precious blood of the Lamb. But more than His death. It's what He clothed us in. And He clothed us in Himself. His, His glory, His perfection, His beauty. On and on and on it goes. And so, we, we read about what He looks like in Scripture based upon what He's covered us with. And that's what happens when we put ourselves on the altar and as a whole burnt offering. We give ourselves on that altar. And, and there's an exchange that goes on where we are presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice, but we are, we are giving our skin for His. We are giving ourselves so we can walk in Him. So we can be covered by Him. So we can be in the same likeness of His resurrection, same newness of life as Him, and be clothed completely in all of that good stuff and all of that glory, and and go from the wages of sin being death to the wages being righteousness and eternal life. And our world today is trying to change the image of our Lamb. Our world today is trying to create the Lamb in its own image. And and I want you to recognize how important it is for us to have the right image. We're covered by that image. And that's our inheritance. that's That's what our high priest has covered us in. Just like Zadok, the righteous priest, received 1,000 skins from Solomon's day of worship. And who knows how many of those children are covered by those skins. And those aren't just any skins, my friend. Those are perfect. Those are without blemish. And there's a responsibility on Zadok when he's looking and inspecting those animals to make sure their perfection is according to the biblical standard. 
And the reason why it's so important is his family's going to be wearing those skins. If it's going to be the same lamb covering my children, I better make sure it's perfect. I better make sure it's according to the biblical standard. I better make sure it's not become crookbacked and broken and there's not ruin in there and that I better make sure it's the same lamb who requires his people to be holy. He said, be holy because I'm holy, saith the Lord. And you better know that, my friend. When you're looking at the image of Jesus Christ today, it's the same image covering your children and covering yourself. You better have a holy lamb. It better be spotless. It better be without wrinkle. You better be looking for a righteous lamb. Praise God, because there's lambs being made in, in, in everyone's image. That Super Bowl commercial about washing feet, for instance. Where there's no there's no no need to change as if Jesus didn't change people. You know what Jesus did, right? He washed somebody's feet and sent them to hell. He washed Judas's feet and sent him right to hell. The son of perdition. That's what our God did. Our, our God is a God that's got judgment. As much as he's got mercy. As much as he's got grace, he has got an end time judgment. And that's what he did for Judas. He went ahead and gave him up. Go ahead. Lucifer comes in there and possesses him. Go do what you're going to do, but do it quickly. And, and all of the things that went on there. But the Lord gave up somebody. He washed, he washed his disciples' feet one time. And one of them, he washed his feet to hell. Or to a lake of fire, whatever he's lost, son of perdition, ends up committing suicide and hanging himself because there is no repentance from what he's done. Now, I want you to know that's the God that we have. And you've got to recognize that as you're, as, you're, as you're discerning what kind of a Jesus this world is trying to give to the church. The kind of Jesus the world is trying to give to the church. It's not the Jesus that's covering me and covering my children. And we better make sure that we're not confused or intimidated. And we're, we don't start changing the image of our God to suit the image of this world. And we make sure our Lamb, He is a righteous lamb. Our lamb is the only lamb ever accepted. It's not just whatever you want to do and be however you want to be. Not with our God. No, there's only one way to be accepted. You've got to be washed in His blood. You've got to be covered by His death. You've got to have that change of life. Praise the Lord. It's not a new thing either. It's, it's, it's as old as, as the book of Corinthians and the book of Galatians. Every book that was written in the in the New Testament, especially by Paul's, written for a reason. And he's going against some kind of a false doctrine, trying to change the image of the Lord. In Galatians, the, the image is trying to bring people back to circumcision. Think about that. Think about, think about a people that's been baptized into Christ and put on Christ, and now there's neither male nor female. And now we want to start talking about circumcision. Where you're going to be excluded if you're female. You are absolutely excluded from circumcision if you're a female. Males are circumcised. And we're bringing out, we're, we're taken out of the body of Christ where we lost male and female and became Christ. And we're trying to put it back on, but we're only going to give it to one, one group of people, male. Where the Lord said, on your sons and your daughters they shall prophesy. 
The Bible says it's going to be our children and it's going to be male and it's going to be female that are baptized in the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It did matter. It did matter in the Old Testament. You couldn't be a, a priestess. There's no such thing as a high priestess. You could only be a male. There's no such thing as a high priestess. You had to be a, a male. And the priesthood was from father to son. And the Lord did away with that in His kingdom to where we're all a part of that same priesthood. The Melchizedek priesthood that's got no daddy, got no mother, got no other offspring. It's just Him. One, Melchizedek style of priesthood or order of priesthood means Jesus Christ is the only priesthood. And we're all a part of that ministry. We're all a part of that kingdom where there's only one. But what God does is He creates in us His sons and daughters... He creates in us His ministry and works out of us His glory. And it does, you can be an apostle and be a Phoebe. That's not a male, by the way. It's a female. Romans 16, an apostle named Phoebe. Hello now. But it's, a, it's an image. It's an image that... that what, kind of a, what kind of a covering do you have on your family? It's important. It's important for us to inspect that, that skin. It's important for us to expe- inspect that sacrifice. With a trans agenda, with, with the, uh, with, there's not one good agenda in politics in America, period. I don't care what side you're on. There's not one good agenda. It's all divert, it's all division. It's all to paint you into being just one thing. There's no, you're not allowed to just be American. You're not allowed to just be American. And if you're an American, that means you can agree if somebody on the left has a good idea and disagree with somebody on the right if they have a bad idea. But not in today's world. You're either one or the other. And that means you don't just, you don't just disagree. You hate the other. And it's this kind of this kind of blah 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 that's coming into the church even. And you've got to recognize our God's not a political God. Our God has no other kingdom that He acknowledges at all. It's His kingdom and it's His kingdom only. And He doesn't bow down to any other president or any other prime minister or any other leader. And so we've got to recognize His kingdom is the only kingdom that, that matters and should have a voice in our life. It's the kingdom of God. And whoever you are, my friend, you're bringing the kingdom of God where you're at. You're loosing the kingdom of God principles. Because we don't just kind of believe in abortion at six weeks or whatever we can finagle. We don't believe in murder, period, do we? We don't believe in abortion, period. We don't believe in these things at all. We don't, we, we don't agree with these, the way you present it or the way you say it. It's a semantic world and we believe sin is sin. And we believe that the Bible tells us sin ends up in a lake of fire. The Bible said liars or politicians, right? Have their, the Bible doesn't say they're in heaven. The scripture said they are also in that second death in the lake of fire. Fear, the Bible said, is in the lake of fire. That's what our culture is doing with politics, trying to bring fear and, and bring an abundance of lies. Man alive, you, you want to talk about shock and awe is when you, anytime you just start to believe a politician, it's like, oh, they were just trying to get elected. It doesn't matter which one. It's like, oh, okay, so you are a liar. I understand. I get it. 
But that, that's the world. And so what they do is they will use the church for their own means. And that's, and that's the kind of, that's the kind of shifting that's going on with, with, with the lamb that we have. The lamb that we have is not American. The lamb that we have is, is the world conqueror. The land that we have is eternal. A world that does not yet exist. We know this whole earth is going to be burned up with fire. So we don't take it too seriously. But we also do not take any intimidation seriously. Because there is nothing to fear when we revere the only power on planet earth that has the authority to touch my life and to touch your life. If it's allowed, we go to heaven. Thank you for that. But we've got to be careful about the kind of lamb we're putting on. And it comes all, whether you're talking worship, God doesn't want that. God doesn't ask for that. You better have worship that's radical, biblical level worship where it's all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your spirit. That's the worship God's looking for. Nothing, nothing less than all. And, and, and so that's all I really wanted to say here today. Is that we've got to be inspecting the kind of lamb that's covering our families and covering our lives. That, that's the inheritance of the people of God. We weren't worthy, but there was a covering that is worthy, that makes us worthy. In Him, clothed in Christ, we are worthy. And that's a powerful cl- clothing. Don't, don't ever doubt that. Don't ever let the world tell you that you're not powerful. You are powerful. You are mighty in God. There's a power in you that can pull down strongholds, cast down imagination, and any high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. There is dominion in the church. Don't wear anything less. Stand with me. Praise God. Amen. We've got righteous skins from that lamb. You read about it. You just read about what God's given us from Himself. Seven horns. That, that, you talk about part of the skin. You're talking about you aren't burning horns. That's part of the skin. So you're, you're, you're going to be, you're talking about seven horns, the seven spirits of God, the Bible said. Seven eyes, the seven spirits. Everything we see on that lamb that, that was slain from the foundation of the world covered us. The Bible said He was slain to receive, first of all, power. Acts 2.33, when Simon Peter was preaching about the Lord being raised up to the right hand of the throne, the Bible said he's received the promise of the Holy Ghost. And the first thing that he received was power. Oh yeah, you're covered in it. You're clothed in it. You are literally walking in power. And it's eternal life power. And it's the same power that overcame. Quit crying, John! The line of the tribe of Judah, he's overcome. Remember the promises of the overcomers, if any man hath an ear, let him hear. If you, any man overcomes, the seven promises given in the, in the preaching to the seven churches there. And the overcomers, why we can overcome. And he looked at the overcomer, what did he see? He saw a lamb as it had been slain. And that's what we're covered in, that overcoming power. You are covered in win and win only. Victory and victory only. No possibility of defeat. 
Praise God. Why don't we clap our hands and thank God for the covering of power and righteousness and holiness. And we're not going to live with any other kind of covering. Blameless, spotless, pure, holy, worship, radical, in love with God, on fire for God, praying in authority and dominion, pulling down strongholds, casting down. Yeah, it's a mighty, mighty, mighty church you see here. Praise God. You walk in that. That's your birthright. So don't you inspect those skins, Brother De Lorenz, that, that come on your family. What kind of a God is covering your babies? Amen. We, we're, we're skin inspectors, and we're making sure it's biblical or it's not good enough. It's biblical or it's not the right sacrifice. Try again. It's biblical or it's not the right one. And the reason why I'm so, I'm so strict on this, Zadok would say, is because that's covering my babies. My little girls are being covered and clothed in those, in those sacrifices. Praise God. One thousand sacrifices. My, my, my. Hey, I love you. I love this church. Don't say it, say it often enough, but I do. I love and love the Duns very much and, and, uh, sure pray that Brother Dunn doesn't have a long process of sickness. Praise completely better by the time they get back. And, uh, you know what, maybe I would hate for the Duns to use their sauna one of these times. <laughs> that's, a, that's a reason to get sick right there, just to use that sauna. Praise God, just kidding. But I pray that Levi is all the way better, and I pray none of the rest of us that are here get any of this junk that's coming upon us and coming on everywhere. Alaska had it, we've got it, la, 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 la. So, blessing of God be upon you, power of God, walk in it. We'll see you Sunday. God bless you.